As I said, God is moving. Do you believe that? God is always on the move. God is a God of movement. Did you have any doubt that God was going to supply us with just a uh, Holy Spirit, God-controlled, humble interim pastor? Did you have any doubt about that? I, I met this gentleman, Steve Gehagen. I met him in June. And, uh, and Steve, I know you're, you're probably going to watch at some point in time, so I just want to give you a shout-out. And, and I, and I want to say this to you, Steve. Take care. Take care of these people. Get them ready for what God has for them, the, the next lead pastor. Like I said, I met him in June, and we began to develop a friendship. And I'm going to let Steve share about how we, how we met and, and how our friendship grew. And I'm just so excited that he's going to be used by God here to prepare you for the next. I have a favor to ask of you. It's my last ask. My last ask before I go. I want to ask you to join me Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week in a fast, where we just, we fast, and I'm going to give you the reason for that fast. We fast Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We'll end our fast in the evening on Saturday night at our last day of 21 days of prayer. What do I want you to fast about? I I want us to fast in this regard for two reasons. One, I want us to fast and pray that God would purge anything in our leadership team, our board, that is not of God and fill them only with God's wisdom, God's spirit, so that God can use them to discern who our next lead pastor will be. Will you, will you do they, Hey, they need your prayers. This is a heavy thing for them to carry, but they don't carry it along. They're just going to walk in God's Holy Spirit, but they need you guys raising them up to see what God sees, not what man sees, but see what God sees and then have the courage to follow that. And then the second thing that I want you, as we fast together Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the second thing I want you to pray for is I want you to pray that God begins to stir in our next lead pastor's spirit, that God also gives that person clarity to see, man, God wants me here For reasons I don't understand, but God wants me here, so I'm going to come and I'm just going to embrace the people and the community here at Church on the Hill. Those are the two reasons why I want you to join me in fasting Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So will you? Oh, that was. And you can fast any way you want. You can fast from social media. I'm fasting sweets right now putting those to the side. And every time I have a hankering, I just go to God in prayer. And that's what I'll do over these next three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. God is moving in our midst. It is so cool to see. And I get to see some things that are happening behind the scenes. One of them you're going to see in the real and the raw today. Would you like to see God moving in the real and the raw? Would you, I mean, seriously, would you like to see what, how God has been moving and then just see that getting played out right in front of you. You want to see that? Yes. All right, Isaac, it's all you. Well, let's do it. Well, thanks, Dave. All right, well, this being uh, Dave's last Sunday with us, uh, 
Maybe, maybe you came with the expectation this morning that Dave was going to give his swan song of a sermon. We should, we should be getting Dave's best stuff. Are you with me, right? <laughs> or maybe you thought maybe Pastor Jenna would, would give them a good send-off with one of her, you know, very well-researched with one of her, her awesome sermons that she gives. But no, I'm very sorry to disappoint you this morning. You just get me. <laughs> and, and that's all right. That's all right. Uh, so who am I? Who am I? I my name's Isaac Hearns. And uh, it is by God's grace and uh, through the free will that he provides us and through nothing but prayers and support of my parents and the elders of this church that have, that have come before us here and through the love of my, my family and my friends uh, that I'm alive today and that uh, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm learning to allow that to dictate how I live in every day, in every way, Okay. All right, so, so this morning you guys get my testimony, you know, a bit of my story, about, a little bit about who I am and what I'm all about. Well, it's a personal story, all right, so I'm going to be a bit vulnerable with you, a little bit raw. Uh, I get a little emotional on occasion, and if that happens, just, you know, give me an amen or, you know, a little something to keep me going, okay? All right. Uh, so, so here it goes, and, and it's, it's my heart's intent that, that maybe something I say, just something uh, may resonate with you, Okay. So born into this church, I wasn't born in a troubled home. I was born in an awesome home. Calvin and Debbie Kearns, what wonderful parents to have. And there were five of us little criminal children that were running around this church. Uh, uh, my older sister, Sarah, older brother, Josh, Abigail, and Caleb. Uh, together, Isaac, we made the five Kearns kids. My first memories of church weren't in this building. Uh, they were actually at the old building on 9th and Ford, the old brick building. Very few memories. I was about this little uh, when we started attending there. And... Um, I remember learning Jesus Loves Me down in the basement, but uh, my best, the best song that we always sang was we would conclude every service with the doxology. And that was the best song for me. Why? Because it meant church was over, and we all got to go eat lunch at the king's table. Literally, the whole church would go to the king's table and eat the buffet. Uh, so, so then we moved up here, and we started. The sanctuary wasn't finished yet, and, and our first services up here were down in the old gym, the, the room that we called the foundry now. And back then, Sunday wasn't just big church and you leave. It was like a four-hour event. Every Sunday, we went to Sunday school, and then we went to big church. And growing up, I had so many influences, so many positive influences in Sunday school. Uh, people like Rod Axtell, who's this really talented artist in, in the 80s and 90s. You'd see his paintings all over McMinnville. You can still see them today here at our memorial wall in Scotty's Playhouse, all those murals that he's done. Uh, but he would teach us Sunday school, and he would draw these beautiful drawings as he was teaching us the lesson, whether it was the woman at the well or Jesus walking on water. He would just tell the story and draw it out, and you just couldn't help but watch. And it was cool because Rod would always, he would always share or, or let the, the best well-behaved student got to take that drawing home with them after church. Uh, I didn't get to take very many drawings home, um, but that's okay. And in summer, we had this, uh, this program called Adventure Club down in the gym. And, I mean, it was just all out, all engaged. And I remember people like Don and Keller. This dude would perform skits and play his guitar, do his things. Uh, we played competitive games, like very competitive games. There were winners, and there were definitely losers, and it was never fun to lose. Uh, man, I, I remember guys like Dean Heath. This guy was a puppeteer, and he just found creative ways to teach the Bible to kids. And it was just awesome. 
Don Keller's wife, Libby Keller, would be my Bible quizzing uh, instructor. And man, we were good. McMinnville First Church of the Nazarene, we were good at Bible quizzing. Uh, we, had, we were so good. We had an A and a B team, and we'd go to these competitions against you know, Portland and Salem, Eugene, Hillsborough. And we always got first and second place, A team and B team. I was definitely on the B team, though, B team. <laughs> So youth group, very, very awesome youth group. We, we went through a youth uh, pastor transition as well, just like our kids are going through right now. Um, but my first youth pastor's name was Dwayne Slimmer. And this guy was a planner. He created this really awesome summer program called Rad Summer. Yeah, rad. Totally 80s, very 90s. Um, it was an action-packed calendar in the summertime. Like we went up to Wild Wave, Waves, which is a water park up at, near Seattle, uh, campouts, wakeboarding, uh, video scavenger hunts with my friend Richard Lee with his long hair, ponytail, and he drove a Vita bug. He's actually our current longest standing employee of Church on the Hill now, is Richard Lee. Yeah. But my favorite thing, my favorite thing in the summertime to do was the whitewater rafting trips. We'd go on the Deschutes River and we'd go rafting. And yeah, the white water, the rapids, that's all kind of fun. It's a fun thing to do. But nothing was more fun than the water fights that would happen when we were in the slack water, right? So I was fairly athletic in high school. You know, I was a wrestler, and I won more matches than I lost. It wasn't that good, but I won. Uh, and so my raft, my team, uh, we, we would go take out the other rafts, you know. We'd uh, fire up our, our water cannons, we'd approach them, and we'd take our paddles, and we'd slam them against the, the raft, and kind of like war drums, and thump, 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 thump. Them. And we get close, and then boom, we would squirt everybody with water, and we'd run and we'd jump onto the other rafts, and I'd grab people and just throw them off into the river, and jump back onto my raft. <laughs> I'm pretty cool. Well, this one trip in particular, I thought I was pretty cool, and we were approaching this other raft, and we get our water cannons ready, and the leader of this other raft was this young nurseryman by the name of Rick Robinson. And Rick, he just took this five-gallon bucket and just dunked it in the river. You ever lift a five-gallon bucket of water? It's heavy. And Rick would just dunk it in there and just soak us, like, repeatedly, like a crazy badger. He would just drench us. I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. Yeah, not one to accept defeat in my infinite teenage wisdom. Uh, I was like, this guy's got to go down. And so I ran and I jumped off my raft and jumped onto his. And I wrapped my arms around him trying to hoist this guy out of the raft. Good luck. Rick picked me up, hoisted me over his head, and just threw me into the river as if I was nothing. We got back into our raft, and we paddled away. It wasn't war drums. It was whimpering puppies. So, but in any case, uh, Sally Ivy was another uh, youth person, a uh, leader that I remember. And man, uh, she would go rafting with us. We called her Meryl Streep after the movie The River Wild. And uh, Meryl, <laughs> she, was, she was great. And, and when you spent time with this woman, uh, you didn't just feel loved. You were loved. You are loved. And it didn't matter if you came from a, a super strong home or a broken home, or if you were an athlete or if you weren't an athlete, uh, if you were a well-behaved kid or, or mischievous. Uh, Sally just loved you and saw you with the eyes of Jesus. She was just awesome. You know, Vicki Nealon's got a heart like Sally Ivy. So then I would be a graduating senior, and okay, there's that ever scary choice of, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Okay, here we go. College, all right. I got it narrowed down to two. I'm going to go to the School of Landscape Architecture at the University of Oregon, or I was going to go to Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego. Well, 
My parents are both Oregon State alumni, as well as my grandfather was an Oregon State alumni. And they said, yeah, Isaac, you can go to the University of Oregon and you can pay for every penny of your tuition. <laughs> San Diego, here I come, all right. So, no, Point Loma was a great experience and it was actually pretty cool. At one point in time, we had three Kearns kids at three different Nazarene universities. My older sister, Sarah, was at uh, Northwest Nazarene University in Nampa. Uh, my older brother Josh was kicking the footballs at Mid-America in Olathe, Kansas, and, and I was down in San Diego. You know what? I did well there. I got uh, reasonable grades, but, you know, I was just this young kid searching for his identity in all the wrong places, just trying to figure out who I was, and I just was making some poor choices, and my man, this little country boy from Oregon is a fish out of water in Southern California. What am I even doing here? And I didn't feel like I really belonged there, so I, I transferred to Oregon State University that next year. And that would probably be the darkest year of my life. I was really not living for the Lord whatsoever. I was very dark. I was very selfish. Uh, I was a jerk. Uh, there, there's no other better way to say it. I was just not a good person to be around. Uh, I hardly went to class. I was flunking out of school. I was kind of a bad dude. Dave would say I was a blankety blank, 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 right? <laughs> but what I did have is I had this church to come home to. And on occasion, on the weekends, I would come home and just to escape and get a little respite from the, from the hell I was living in and putting myself through. And I always sat one, two, three rows back. My parents sat there every Sunday religiously. And I remember coming home one time that year, and, and I don't remember who was speaking on the stage, but they said, hey, we're going to put this missions trip together, and we've got this really great team of people going, but, man, they could really use some young men to come alongside them and do, help do some of the heavy lifting. And then just like that, something went off inside my spine. I'm like, that trip's for me. I've got to go on this trip. I don't know why, but I've got to go on this trip. And my parents were like, and I, Mom, Dad, can, can I go on this trip? Yeah, anything to get you into something in church, yeah, great. We'd love for you to go on this trip. And they made arrangements for me to do that. I would go back down to Corvallis to finish out the rest of that year before that summer trip would happen. And I certainly hit the lowest of my lows, the darkest of my dark. I was very, very, very scary, very depressed, even suicidal at times. My dad would come down and take me for a walk after this one event happened that I'm sure not proud of. And he said, Isaac, you're better than this. You are so much better than this. You are valuable. You matter. You know, it was one of the best moments I've ever had with my father. So, okay, coming back that summer, he gave me enough words of life to get me to the summer, to finish out the spring term. And, and uh, brings me to defining number one, uh, moment number one of my redemption story was, in fact, that missions trip to Samoa. Uh, we came back and... Uh, uh, we, we took off, we spent a week in Fiji, which is beautiful, if you ever get a chance to go there. Uh, and uh, I was this kid, this, this lost, dark soul. And Jenna talked about this last week, being in a room just completely filled in darkness, and then boom, having there be a bright light. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because I went on this trip, and these people led uh, Max and Patty Huff, Bill and Diane Landgraf, Bob and Joyce Walcott, Danny, Carissa, Moen, Betty, and Melissa Togstead, all these people that just went on this trip, they just reflected the love of Jesus to me. And they just loved me unconditionally, and it blew my mind back. And I learned two very, very valuable lessons on that trip. And those of you who have gone on a mission trip, you know that often uh, God does more work in you, and you are transformed more than the work that you're going to actually do, right? And that was certainly the case with me. But the two lessons I learned with, one, God is the God of this whole great big world, right? Every square inch of it, not just the God of McMinnville or Yamhill County, but God is the God of the world. 
And number two, that I was loved and worthy of being loved. It's good stuff. I'm not a bad guy, and I can serve a purpose for doing good. I learned that. So I came back that, and I had to finish out my college, my college years at Oregon State, and then I certainly yeah, wasn't living for the Lord during, during that particular time, but I wasn't as bad of a guy. I wasn't as crazy. I wasn't, wasn't as wild. Uh, I actually became somewhat reclusive and shy and reserved, and if any of you know me, you're like, that guy's not shy. You know, he's anything but shy, but yeah, I did, and I just dove into school, and I dove into work, and I dove into Tiger Woods, whatever year it was, video games on the Xbox. I mastered that thing. I was really good at that. And then defining moment number two, I remember sitting on my back porch uh, in Corvallis, and in that image of just sticking your hand on the stove and continually getting burned, the way that I'm living is just not working. It's just not producing results. Why do I keep doing this to myself? I give up. I'm done. God, I'm going to try this your way. I, I give it up. So I up and left school. Disenrolled, was, was registered for like 19 credits that spring term. I got up and just left school. Uh, Fortunately, I'd been there a very long time. They gave me enough credits to graduate, which was kind of a nice uh, deal. So I did get my degree. But I did. I left school, and I, I moved up to uh, McMinnville here. Got a nice little apartment on Tamarack. Back in the day, it was like $400 a month in rent. <laughs> Nothing like that nowadays. But anyway, um, and I started attending the college-age ministry here called Encounter. And uh, actually didn't live in Tamarack very long. I met this skinny little farmer dude named Ben Van Dyke. And he <laughs> would invite me to come live out at his bachelor pad. And this is a straight-up bachelor pad on the farm out in Yamhill. Um, and became best of friends. And then actually, dur during this time... Um, of Encounter, I was part of the Encounter leadership team, and on Wednesday nights, Bob and Carmen Banky would host us, host our leadership team. We were a very student-led ministry, and uh, they, they would just serve on us and just love on us, and I really got to know Bob Banky uh, during this period of time. And if you know Bob, you know when I say that this man has a servant's heart, he has a servant's heart, and I wanted to emulate Bob. Bob would be the first person to uh, come into an event and, and set up, or, or be the first person after event to take stuff down, hauling the heavy stuff in and out of church. He was the guy that would always step up first and just serve people. And so I'd try to out-hustle Bob, but if you know Bob, you can't out-hustle Bob. But anyway, I learned what it was to, to have a servant heart at that time. But one of the best things about Encounter, or that came out of Encounter, was, was I was a greeter out there uh, and would welcome people in. Now, the fashion of the time, I don't know, it wasn't me, but I would wear this cowboy hat, aviator sunglasses, and a puka shell necklace, right? And I thought I was pretty cool. And then up walked one day this beautiful, beautiful young cow named Nicole Dignan. And the thought that crossed my mind was, oh, man, it's about time we get some beautiful girls up in this place. All right. I wish it was something better. But no, that's what crossed my mind. I would pursue Nicole, and she wanted nothing to do with me. I was obnoxious. She found me very obnoxious. I don't blame her. Yeah, but I would pursue her and pursue her, and after constant rejection after rejection, she would finally agree to date me, and we dated for two weeks before we knew that uh, we were to be man and wife. So October 23rd, uh, 2004, hey, I got that, we became man and wife, exactly that. As a young married couple, we, we built a house over here in, in the Cottonwood subdivision. 
And I remember our friends from Encounter, we, we got together hand in hand, and we prayed in that living room the day we moved in. And we wanted this to be a house where, where God was always present. And we, we started some young married small groups. We would be part of no more than, or no less than four small groups during that season of our life. Um, and uh, if you've been a part of a small group, or if you are a part of a small group, you know this as well as I do. It was, it's just awesome to have that community around you, a community of people around you to walk life with you. We were praying through some heavy stuff, you know, uh, things like... Um, you know, job loss or job change and, and deaths to family and friends. These miscarriages that some of these young women were going through uh, was really hard times. We were even praying through cancer through some of our friends. But uh, it was fruitful. It was really fruitful. This is our 20s, and, and, and I was happy. Things were great. We had the birth of our two lovely children in that house as well. Now they're 16 and nearly 15. But then the year 2010 came along, and if you all remember, that was not a great year. It was a real tough year, actually one of the hardest years of, of my life. The recession had come into play, and things were rough, right? Nicole and I had purchased a, a piece of property out in Dayton on McDougall Road, the road I grew up on. And we were moving a manufactured home onto that property, kind of cleaning it up, doing some stuff. And I'm out there working on this, on this house. And I would get this phone call from my mom, and she was in tears. She says, Isaac, your dad's got to have an emergency quad bypass. He's not in good shape. Whew. Okay. All right. I've prepared myself for this. I've, I've envisioned my, my, my parents' end, and I've prepared myself so I can handle this, right? I get off the phone, and I just lose it, absolutely lose it. Dad would make it through the heart surgery, but he would, one, be out of commission for quite some time, and two, he'd never be the same again. You see, it wasn't, just, uh, it wasn't just a hard issue. Uh, we'd find out later on that dad was diagnosed with, with frontal lobe dementia. And it's been a challenge, to say the least, right? Uh, my brothers and sisters, I've walked with them throughout this experience, but over the last 10 years of our life, we've, we've slowly watched our dad die. And it's been tough. I'm not going to lie. It's been tough. But, but no matter how tough it's been for any one of us kids, it's been a hundredfold tough, more tough and more challenging for my mom. I mean, can you imagine walking through life with your partner, your person, and then just to watch them die a little bit every single day over this long extended period of time? But I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of mom because... My mom, she's, she, maybe I'm kind of like my mom in that I would always try to find my identity in something else, but I've watched her grow, her faith grow through all this process too. And she's not just Debbie Kearns, wife of Calvin Kearns, or, or Debbie Kearns, uh, mother of five Kearns kids, or, or Debbie Kearns, owner of C&D Landscape Company. No, she's really become Debbie Kearns' child of God in this process. Yeah, thank you. Dad's still, he's still alive. He's under the care of hospice up at Rock of Ages. They do a phenomenal job there. Great people. Uh, he's in good hands. But uh, I've had to really grow up in, in these years without my leader, my mentor, my rock, and my father. Um, and it's helped me become the business leader I am today, to, to being baptized by fire in, the, in this process. But I've also had my opportunity to serve here at Church on the Hill, this place that I love, right? It was Jim Ramos who would bring me in 
and to this board called High Point Ministries. And High Point was founded by this, this wonderful man of the community, Ezra Cook. And uh, Ezra's vision was that we would, we would help, help young students, young leaders, young Christian leaders uh, get their college education and play a, a role in leadership in, in the community. So I got to serve there. And then I also got to be a part of Hope on the Hill, our, our, our outreach branch of Church on the Hill. And I've played my role there. But probably my more defining moment or the defining moment in my story is, is the role I would play as, as a member of this church's leadership team, uh, our, our church board. August 2016, we kind of had a bomb dropped on us a little bit, uh, which was a situation that led to the resignation of our lead pastor who had been here 20 years. Okay, we haven't done this in a while. The next board meeting, our district superintendent would come in here and outline the process of looking for a new lead pastor. And he said, you have, to, you have to have a chairman of your search committee, and this is what it's going to entail. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a lot of work. Who's going to do that? And so I look around at all my fellow board members. I see that they're all looking back at me. One of them would say to me, hey, Isaac, this is your baby. This is what you were meant to do. And I'm like, all right. He goes, but don't worry. We'll be with you every step of the way. Okay. I took that role very seriously, very seriously. But we made 18,000 mistakes in the process that would ensue over the next however many months. Uh, we, we, we vetted through about 55 candidates, uh, various places and backgrounds and church backgrounds. And this was a very trying time for us as a church body. Uh, it was a very challenging time for us as well. Very emotional. We went through quite a bit in, in those several months that we were doing it. I think our biggest issue as a church leadership that I'm so ashamed for, I can say that now, um, looking back at it, is, man, we were so proud. We've got it figured out. We're church on the hill. We're, we're just better. We've got it figured out. No. It wasn't until this one board meeting where, where we were down to two candidates, and this, your church board, we were just at this gridlock. It was really frustrating gridlock because we couldn't pick. And the next step in the process was to invite one of them out for a site visit. After this long four-hour meeting where we're all exhausted, it's 11, 11.30 at night, we're just exhausted. You're like, you know what? We've got to stop trying to control the situation. It's not ours to control. And we finally humbly gave up and submitted ourselves to the process and trusted God with the outcome. I invited one of these candidates out, which we were a split board on. Well, the next morning, the district superintendent, Stan Reeder, would call me and say, hey, Isaac, uh, I sensed a little reservation at the board meeting last night. Oh, really, Stan, you think? Yeah. He said, you know, there, there may actually be this other candidate. I'm like, okay, tell me more. Well, well, the problem with this other candidate, he's being considered for another lead position right now, and they've offered him the job, and it would be uh, two weeks before we can really engage uh, in, in reaching out to him because we don't want to interfere with what God might be doing in that church. I said, all right, all right. He says... Uh, you can, you can look at his resume, and you can watch some of his sermons online, but you really can't let anybody know that he exists. And I'm like, okay. So I went on stealth mode, and I read through this guy's resume, and I was like, best one we've seen yet. Okay. Starting off promising. Uh, I'm a triathlete. I love the sport of triathlon. I love the sport of cycling. And, and, and I would sit on my trainer in my office, and I would just listen to this guy's sermons. Uh, for about a two-week period of time, this guy's just breathing into me. He's speaking into me. He's teaching me. He's feeding me. 
And Dr. Reader would call me after that two weeks was over, after stealth mode was over. And uh, he'd say, well, Isaac, what do you think? I said, I can speak uh, uh, without a shadow of doubt that I know David Anderson will be the next lead pastor at Church on the Hill, right? So it was in that moment, in that moment, God delivered to Dave. He said, Dave, I just want to say thank you. Knowing where our church was at at the time and you saying yes to God when you were in Midland and coming out here to McMinnville, that God had handpicked you to be the leader that we would need at that particular point in time in this church's history. So thank you, Dave. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Courtney. And thank you, Grace, wherever you're at. Well, they took their sweet time getting out here. Six, the next six months were, were still a very challenging time that we had to work through a lot of issues as a, as a church. Uh, but they would eventually, that June or July, I can't recall, come on, come on out to Oregon. And Dave uh, took me out to lunch one day. He wanted to see maybe this guy, this guy that helped with the, the search committee stuff. Could, could I use this guy? You know, he's, he's going to go ferret me out or whatever his lawyer terms are that he uses. Uh, see, see if I was going to play my role in the church, if I could, he could use me. He took me to lunch and he says, you know, so, so what are you all about? And I'm, well, Dave, I'm, I'm called to lead. I know this. You know, I could see myself leading in business. I could see myself leading uh, in, in politics. I could see myself uh, leading in the church. I just know I'm meant to lead. He goes, well, where are you at now? I want to rest. That was exhausting this entire last year of this whole search committee and, and the church stuff. It really took a lot out of me. I was, I was spent. Uh, and he said, okay, fine. I'll just leave you alone. Thank you. But when Dave did come, I committed myself to reading the word for the first time in my life every single day and have every day since. Uh, really committed myself to reading the word. Well, two months later, I get a phone call from another friend of mine. He said, hey, we'd really like you to run for this uh, a school board position that's available. I'm like, <laughs> I'm really kind of spent. I'm tired. I just want to be with my family, hang out, run my business, be left alone. It'll be easy, she said. Um, we've done all the hard work already, and we've hired a new superintendent. I know you just went through that in the church situation. And I said, oh, okay, fine, I'll do it. And all of, uh, all of 2018, I was probably the most inactive board member. I really didn't participate much or dive deep into the discussions. I was just kind of present. Well, then in March of 2019, that community, that school district would have an atomic bomb dropped on it, which resulted in the termination of their beloved principal that had been there 20 years. And it was bad. It was nasty. It was messy. Uh, very emotional. Emotion was very, very high uh, with everybody, with the school, with the community. Some very difficult, very challenging uh, uh, board, meet, um, board meetings. Long story short, I ended up becoming the chair of that school board. And if I, I don't think I did anything right in that process either, but God used me to help bring at least a ceasefire to the toxicity that had ensued. So now I'm really tired. Now I'm really kind of spent. 2020 happens, you know, and COVID has been a negative for so many people in so many ways. It's been tough for a lot of folks, but for me, what it did is it brought me a season of rest that I needed. Very important season. Well, right as COVID was coming out in March of, of 2020, we would also find out that our daughter would be diagnosed with uh, an autoimmune disease. 
In this sickness, this, this autoimmune disease, it wasn't life-threatening. McKenna wasn't going to die. But you just don't ever want to see your kids going through pain, right? It was tough. We spent a lot of nights up at OHSU, and then just in a lot of time at home just being with her over, over the course of that summer and being with our friends. Well, we finally got approved for the treatments that would help McKenna out, but not until the fall of 2020, fall of last year. And in my profession, I'm actually a professional holiday decorator, who knew? <laughs> I was working on this big job in Hillsborough as a drive through park called Lightopia. It was kind of a fun, fun project, but it had its own unique set of circumstances, its own unique set of problems where there were God moments that showed up there. But I was working 14 to 16 hours a day on this, on this job. And it was Wednesday night of Thanksgiving, I would come home and our daughter had just been approved for these blood infusions that would be the treatments that she needs to get better. And she had had this negative reaction to them. So 10 o'clock at night, I come home, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I see my baby girl crying, laying on the couch just in tears, a mess. And I just hurt for her. I scoop her up in my arms and I would hold her, I would take her out and put her in the van. And I'd watch my wife and my daughter Drive up to the hospital. Wednesday night, happy Thanksgiving. 30 minutes later, I get a text message from my mom. I can't breathe so good. I've got COVID. I'm going to the hospital. Okay. The next morning, my sister, so grateful for her, she'd come and she'd pick up my son so that he could have some kind of normal Thanksgiving experience was I drive up back to Hillsborough to go back to work for the day. And at this time, I'm just lost, confused, tired, beat up. And I just said, that's it. I'm going to commit myself to prayer, daily prayer. And I did. And I've prayed every day since. And I've prayed for everything, anything and everything you can think of to pray for. I've prayed for my mom. I've prayed for my dad. I've prayed for my brothers and my sisters and their spouses and their marriages. I've prayed for their businesses. I've prayed for my wife, for my kids. I've prayed for my friends, I've prayed for my business, I've prayed for my employees and their lives and their safety. But most of all, I pray for purpose. God, you've used me before and I feel like I'm sitting on the bench again. And I'm tired of sitting on the bench. I want purpose. I want to be used. I'm 40 some odd years, years old. I don't know how much longer I have left, but I want whatever I have left to matter for eternity. I want to serve purpose. Please give me purpose. Reveal to me your purpose, that which you would have for my life. Please reveal it to me. Not hearing much. I'm hearing that you're a leader. Great. I know I'm a leader, God, but do you, want me to, do you want me to lead in business? Do you want me to lead in politics? Do you want me to lead in the church? What is it that you want me to do? What is it? And I was very frustrated through these prayers, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. Through the fall, into the spring. And then one day as I was praying, he's like, Isaac... I know you're praying for purpose. I know I've called you to lead, but I can't give you purpose until you put the bottle down. Okay? See, my thing is I drink. That's my thing. And I'm not out whooping it up, partying it up. Look at me, look at me. That's not, not me. But I would go home and I would drink just two, three drinks a night to numb my brain. So I didn't have to think anymore. I didn't have to feel anymore for the day. I could just be over for the day. It's tough for God to deliver his message to you when you're not paying attention. So, once again in my life, I'm saying yes to God. I'm going all in. Fine, I'll kick that thing. I won't do that anymore. 
God, what is your plan for me? May 1st was the day that I decided that I was going to stop medicating myself and allow myself to find my rest in my God. And you know what he did? He reveals his plan like he says he would, right? So I would end up in the next two weeks have three important conversations that God orchestrated the circumstances around those being set up, right? And my first one was with Pastor Dave. We met for lunch, and he says, you know, he tells me all about his dreams, his passions, his plans, his goals uh, for ministry, you know, and and he, he breathes life into me. And I get to tell him about what I'm passionate about, what I'm excited for. We would just have this great conversation over lunch. The next person I met with was a business friend of mine who, who owns a business. And, and we'd had a, a conflict in our relationship that we were going to bury the hatchet on. And he shared with me his plans and his dreams for his business and everything that he was passionate about. And I got to share with him my plans for my business and my dreams. And, and it was just, it was healthy relationship. It was a great conversation. And then another friend would approach me and say, hey, a few of us have been talking, we've been thinking, we'd really like to see you uh, uh, run for this political office. We think you'd be very good at it. Have you thought about it before? Are you in a position to do that? And I said, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that very thing, exactly. I'd really like to, to, to explore that a little bit more. And so that very friend would come over to my house, and we would just unpack for four hours all of these different options. Do I stay in business? Do I play a role in ministry? Are politics for me? And after a very Holy Spirit-filled conversation with, with one of my best friends in the world, uh, I just came out of it with a decision. And that decision is, I'm meant to be a pastor. So I'm actually scared to death of that to some degree, too. I start classes at Nazarene Theological Seminary tomorrow. (laughs) And there's only 3,800 pages of reading that I have to do between now and December. So anyway, bring it on. So so that's, that's me. That's my story. You know, if there, there was something that I would hope that you would be able to glean from me or from, from anything that I've had to say, it's simply this, that every time I've said yes, whether that was a, a, a lost college student just needing to come out of darkness or, or whether I was on a church board and trying to control a situation and I just gave it up to God, every time I've given it up and I've said yes, God has come and he has delivered every single time, every single time. And then the other thing is this, is I've seen this church over nearly 41 years. I've watched different seasons, different leadership, uh, different people come through these walls. And I know this without a shadow of a doubt, that this church is at its best when the lay people are stepping up and they are discovering their purpose and playing their role. The church... Leadership is clutch, it's important, but it's not all about our pastors. It's really not. And as we send these four off to go do what God has called them to do in Illinois, my ask is that you all would step up and whatever it is that God's tugging on your heart to do, I I pray you go all in on it. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 
Not half of your heart, not a quarter of your heart, but all of your heart. Don't straddle this fence and say, God, I want to know what your purpose is for me, but I'm hanging back. I'm hanging on to what, these other things. Drop these things, go all in, and let's move. Okay. So will you move, church? Will you be a, a Don and Libby Keller or a Dean Heath and go love on kids and kids ministry? Uh, will you be a Sally Ivy or a Rick Robinson and horse around and just love on teens? Are you mission-minded and be like my friends Hunter and Sydney, who are, who are considering and probably going back to Kosovo to, to go play their role over there and go work on transforming other people while they themselves are being transformed? Are you called to host a small group, lead a small group, be in a small group, and, and experience community the way God wants us to experience church community? Will you be a Bob Benke and just serve and just step up and say, whatever is needed, church, I'm here to support, I'm here to help, I'm here to serve. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart he wants us to have, okay? Will you be the church? Church, All right? Will you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you and uh, praise you for who you are and what you're doing, Lord. And gosh, Lord, I'm just so excited. I'm ex excited for our, our sister church over in, I can't say the name, Kinkinki, uh, Illinois, Lord, and, and what you're doing there and, and the Holy Spirit that you've already gone ahead and you're moving forward uh, to, for the arrival of our team that's headed over there, Lord. And I'm equally excited, God, of, of what you're doing here, what you're doing in McMinnville and Yamhill County at Church on the Hill and the plans that you have for us, Lord. Just unveil your plans to, uh, for us uh, as we move forward as a church body. Uh, we just thank you and praise you for who you are and what you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being faithful. What I heard is, one thing, one thing I heard there is, and I'm going to give you this challenge. What do you need to say no to so that you can hear from God and say yes to where God leads? For him, it was, I got to put the bottle away. For you, it may be something different. I have no idea what it is, but we all got issues, right? We got all things that the evil one's trying to clutter our minds with and hold us, from, hold us down from experiencing God's best for us. So what do you need to say no to so you can just receive from God and then live the life that God has created you to live. What is that? Amen? Is God the God of your revival in your heart? I can't hear you. All right, three things I wanna leave you with. Number one, I just wanna say thank you to Isaac. Thank you for saying yes to God's call in your life. And my encouragement to you is this, don't limit how God may use you in this pastor role. Just be open to wherever God leads, all right? My encouragement to you. Second thing is, is he has an awesome wife and her name's Nicole, teammate. And she has been serving at DZ for 13, 15 years. She also has responded to a call in her life. Yes, and she will also start school in January. And so she's gonna hand the reins over to someone at DZ that she has been just breathing into and who's ready to step into this leadership. And Nicole is gonna join with Jessica and Nicole's gonna take lead on our preschool on Sundays here at Church on the Hill. And I, it's just, I'm just, 
excited to see how God uses you in ministry. She is a top, I was going to say, I was going to use an animal, but I'm not going to use an animal name. She's just a great Holy Spirit, God-controlled leader. Together, as a married couple, it's going to be so cool to see how God uses them. Here is in their studies, as God uses you to help them grow in their giftings and and this calling that God has put into their life. I know that the next lead pastor is probably gonna use them in some way, give them various opportunities. I want them just to come and stand right here because we're gonna pray over you to end this service so you guys can come here. And, and, and I, want, I want you guys to come around them and just, just lay hands on them and, and we're gonna send them off. They're staying here, but they're gonna, we're gonna send them off today just knowing that you believe in God's call on their life and you will have their back as they walk this path, because the evil one is going to attack and try to snuff out, snuff out this calling as they begin. So will you have their back? The last thing I want to ask you again or remind you is Thursday, Friday, Saturday fast. Thursday, Friday, Saturday fast. Asking God to just move in the hearts and the minds of our leaders here so they can see who God wants to be our next leader and move in the heart and the mind of whoever our next leader is and just bring us together so that we as a community of faith can just expand God's kingdom. So come and gather around Nicole and, and, and Isaac and, 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 and let's just send them off with a, with a prayer of just encouragement and promise. God, I, I thank you so much for creating these two. And yeah, their kids can come on over here too if they want. This just wonderful, beautiful God family, God created, God breathed family. They, they, they just announced to the world that you have called them in the ministry and they wanna say yes to that and they're, they're gonna be pastor, they're gonna be your servant, however you wanna use them, God. So we're asking, we're asking that you just protect them, protect them from the arrows that the evil one will shoot at them that tell them that no, you're not good enough or no, you, you misheard, that's nonsense. Let them just name the lie, expose the lie, expose the liar, and then just receive from you each and every time that comes, God. May we as a community of faith just encourage them, send them texts or notes every once in a while. When they come to our mind, there's a reason. Let's say a prayer for them and, and let them know that we're actually praying for them. Oh God, will you just make this time of study just, just a time of... Um, of deep inner workings. They're not going to school for themselves. They're going for all the people that you're gonna touch through them. So may this just be a transforming three or four year period where they're doing ministry, learning, humbling themselves, and you are continuing to prepare them for whatever their next is. And may they always say yes to your lead. In the powerful, precious name of Jesus, we pray for your best over Nicole and over Isaac and their two awesome kids. God, have your way with them. In your name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Hey, you may go and change the world.